Indigenous cultures inform our approach to youth development. The interrelated nature of life reveals to us the importance for us to be responsible for the generations after us and those that have come before us. We urge the forum to help us to support and protect our elders and our knowledges which are essential to sustaining our indigenous livelihoods and further the livelihoods of this world. We reaffirm our intrinsic responsibilities towards future generations in protecting and sustaining the continuity of our collective and unique values, spirituality and principles that spring from our interrelationship with Mother Earth in line with safeguarding our pride and dignity as Indigenous peoples. We urge the UNPFII to recommend that governments acknowledge the past and ongoing grievances done to Indigenous peoples, that these grievances have led to the degradation of indigenous peoples, communities, social, spiritual, economic, and all other types of development, and that governments support indigenous control over indigenous social and economic developments and initiatives. Land is life, water is life, and therefore social and economic development is a non-issue until indigenous peoples have regained control over our lands, our water, as the livelihoods of our peoples will follow. We express our concern that a continued limited participation of Indigenous youth in decision-making processes locally, regionally and internationally restricts the integration of our perspectives and experiences and decisions impacting our survival. We call upon other UN agencies to support and ensure the full and active participation of Indigenous youth at the permanent forum and all decision-making process of UN agencies impacting Indigenous youth and to recommend to UN interagencies and foundations for greater and equitable access to financial and other aid in enhancing our rights as Indigenous peoples' youth. We are in a powerful position because of the shoes we are born into and the voices that we carry. The Indigenous world is relying on the work that is done here and in our homes and communities. We are ready to speak with you all if you are. We engage the forum to actively engage with us, the Indigenous youths, because we are a new generation of peoples mandated by our ancestors to care for Mother Earth and ask that you, our elders, support us so our ancestral knowledge will be carried into the future. Thank you. We were just listening to a recording of Kitty Tapu Allen on behalf of APIYN at the UN, recorded in June 2007. I wanted to open up this broadcast with that recording as Kitty Tapu is who introduced me to the person I'm speaking to today, Tia. I'm so excited to present this interview featuring my dear friend Tia Taurere Clear Sky, founder of Fire Productions. An indigenous Maori woman from Aotearoa, New Zealand, Tia now lives in Canada where she immigrated to Coast Salish territory of Turtle Island to be with her husband, Curtis Clear Sky, who is First Nations Blackfoot Anishinaabe. Side note, on this episode, you'll hear some of Curtis Clear Sky's music featuring Tia's vocals. I'm particularly excited to present this conversation because it aligns with aspects of my work in media and production as an accomplice. And I look up to Tia as a fierce Maori manawahine who strives to create international solidarity by building synergies between indigenous activists and creative communities. 
Tia believes in working towards Tinoranga Tiratanga, self-determination for all peoples through creative resistance and creative communications. Her work includes multimedia production, critical analysis of the world we live in today, and a deep respect for our Mother Earth. You can learn more about Tia's work at www.fiaproductions.com. That's spelled W-H-A-E-A productions.com. So thank you, Tia, for being here with me. I just appreciate you so much, and I love having you here on this broadcast. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> and before we get in really quick, do you just want to like introduce yourself and where you're from and what kind of work you do, just like in a sentence or something to bring oh, us in? Sure. Um, so I'm um, from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, no ngā iwi ngā puhi rawa ko te apauri. Um, I have been living in Turtle Island for 12 years and um, working here as a freelance camera operator and editor. Um, and I think that's oh, and I have six tamariki. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Keiki, children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't want to forget all of them. <laughs> that's a big part of work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I was reflecting back to when I first met you, and I believe it was in 2006 in Aotearoa. And I was out there doing work with our mutual friend, Kitty Tapu Allen, who is now New Zealand East Coast Labor MP. <laughs> I know, and yeah. It's amazing. And you were she working is. with Greenpeace at the time. Mm -hmm. And we did some amazing work together out there during that time when I was visiting Aotearoa. And from the moment you and I met, we were like collaborating, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so blessed to have met you. I'm so blessed that... Um, Kiri Tapu and Tiano, you know, used to bring lots of international indigenous to Aotearoa, so. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, and you've just been such an important person to me, and I continue to be so inspired by the work you do. And yeah, since then, so many things have shifted in the yeah. world and in our lives, and uh -huh. since that first time we had connected back in Aotearoa, and yeah, now, now where you're living is um, so, so far away from your homelands. And I wanted to invite you to reflect a bit about your journey, maybe from that point and to where your life is now and to share a little bit about your journey as an Indigenous woman and filmmaker and media mm. artist. From when we met? Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think... Um... I then met my husband, <laughs> who is Blackfoot Anishinaabe, and um, connected with him, but not in a romantic way. It was more around uh, activist communities and kaupapa um, driven. And we decided to meet. I think Greenpeace sent me to Papua New Guinea to do some solidarity work with the Indigenous there and around um, forestry and I had sent that video to my husband Curtis and we started to see each other in a different way and it got romantic and <laughs> and he is an artist uh, 
a musician and he raps. So we invited him to Aotearoa to perform and then I hosted him. And then um, he brought me back to Turtle Island and oh, we had our, our son and so we were still building our family, still having babies. And uh, I decided to, uh, to fill my own heart. I needed to keep working on things that I love to do. So it was film and television while it was video. And um, that's when I started my production company. And uh, just in between babies, I would edit for people or um, eventually purchase cameras and start shooting. And it just exploded, um, realizing the need for Indigenous voice. And there wasn't many people doing that work. I mean, now I can see Indigenous television and film and television programs training up more young people in, in camera and editing and, you know, grip and whatever other areas. But um, back when I started, there were very few of us. So, did anybody call you in to work with you at that point or was it all you just kind of finding your way alone? Yeah, it was through being very sociable, <laughs> loving community here, uh, just networking and meeting people. Hey, it's just mm -hmm. uh, word of mouth mainly. Um, even though I'm not Indigenous to this land, I could relate to all of the the problems, the struggles, and the uh, and the triumphs that Indigenous would, were having here as well. So it's like, oh, you're Maori. Oh, you'll know how we're, you know, <laughs> you know, the effects of the trauma and the effects of colonialism are on on the communities here. I can relate to that. So, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate the Indigenous communities here because I wouldn't have lasted as long away from home if I didn't find my people here as well or my women a lot I need my women <laughs> Indigenous women <laughs> yes and speaking of um, your production company is titled the Maori word Faya mm, Faya Faya yeah it's spelled W-H-A-E-A -E for those who um, aren't familiar with the way that Maori language is written and spoken. Mm. Um, and Faya is a mother, an auntie, a teacher, an older woman who is nurturing, caring, a knowledge keeper, and a leader in the community. And how did you, how did this name come to be for your production company? What does this mean to you personally and to your work? Do you consider yourself as Faya? Or is it more about the sharing of stories through media that becomes Faya? That's a great question because I didn't actually think of the second question <laughs> before. And I was like, yeah, wow, I could definitely weave that in. Um, but I think Faya, the word came to me in, um, in the beginning because I did my teacher's training in um, Kura Kaupapa Māori, so there was a, a one-year journey of relearning my language and then going into the teacher's training, uh, total immersion schools. And uh, every day I used to hear children calling me fire tia because that's what they call their teachers, you know, instead of Mrs. blah, blah, blah. Or it's um, fire tia, fire tia. And I used to just hear it all the time and it sounded really awesome. 
and then I started having all my own babies. So I was, you know, like a, a fire. And then I just love matriarchs and, you know, supporting women. We're so amazing and strong and we carry so much. And I just love that word. And, but yeah, fire, fire, the word fire, I just loved it. And uh, it just says so much about my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And with that language immersion program, has it been something that you have been able to pass on to your children? Like teaching them Maori? I do. I do. I'm not, you know, if we were home, I think I would talk more Maori to them. I, I do. They know lots of words. We don't really string sentences together. We practice karakia in Maori, um, you know, Maori prayers. Um, my husband uses it a lot and uh, we try to also, you know, use Blackfoot language too. It's, um, it's not a fluent language in our house, but we do use Māori. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and in relationship to fire productions, like it's so important that Indigenous people are put in positions to tell their own stories on their own terms. And this is what you do with Fire Productions. You maintain the ethos of your work to be experienced and respectful of traditional Indigenous cultural protocols. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Can you explain how this comes into play in your work in real time? Like, what are ways in which you engage protocol as you enter a cultural environment to document that isn't your own? Yes, yes. That's, I think this is the area that um, oh, makes it so fulfilling, my work so fulfilling, is being invited into these amazing cultures to share. And um, I always go in with so much respect and, you know, be very humble, um, wait, you know, to be told what sometimes I don't know all the protocols and I sort of have to humbly just stand back and wait, wait to be um, shown what's respectful um it's just been very that's the word to be respectful it's been very mindful of the traumas and the healing that people are going through and um nurturing them making them feel supported and safe creating a safe environment that I'm not going to take all these images and all these stories and um you know they trust me that I'm not going to uh, misappropriate them in an other way or prosper off them for my own um, selfish reasons <laughs> you know these things are their gifts I always give back and uh, I would never um, disrespect them by using them I actually um, because of these creating a safe space for people to tell their stories I went on a journey with um learning more about our intellectual property rights uh, so we can stay safe from from people using our images and sounds and stories in uh, that haven't got permission you know so I, I was I'm, I'm always really respectful and thoughtful to to the communities that I go into yeah and, and I practice a lot of things that I've learned in my culture, you know, around elders, you know, um, treating them a way that I would treat my elders at home. Um, yeah, and people, people know, people pick up that 
that you're you're not there to to harm or take anything that you know you can't um, that's not yours. Uh, so yeah, that that level of trust is is really really humbling for me. I, I feel really really blessed to to have that with the people that I work with here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it ties back into the term fire, you know, like, <clears throat> I think that being a woman or like somebody who is um, femme identifying, you can go into these spaces and hold that nurturing space, you're not a threat, you're not trying to dictate or guide the narrative. And especially as an indigenous woman who is going into other indigenous spaces, you're you're bringing something to the table you're offering a resource instead of taking and mm. can you can you give an example of how some way that we can learn to gather and share information without becoming extractive so if if there's a young person who's trying to go into the type of work that you do like kind of maybe walk us through like how you would approach maybe interviewing an elder or being in proximity to a dance or something that that they're inviting you into and it's sacred what are what are the protocols you follow as tia mm -hmm. i would i often um talk to you know uh, a liaison who's organizing the shoot um, previous just to ask some of those questions where I could go, where I can't go, what I can film, or just let me know when I, when I shouldn't be filming. Um, I'm usually, I usually just stay very gentle and quiet <laughs> until somebody speaks to me or wants to know something like I'm never interrupting or speaking over anybody. I'll just be patient and wait. Um, there's just little things like, you know, if it was an elder, like, can, is it okay if I touch you and I'm putting a lav mic on them, you know, I just, uh, I don't want to be disrespectful in some ways. So it's just really treading lightly and gently around people. And naturally with my muku kowai, you know, usually people are intrigued with me too. And so that's the, uh, the icebreaker and we, we, um, have conversations and feel comfortable with each other uh, but it's interesting being a woman uh, like you were saying it's not uh, I um, I get invited into a lot of spaces that you know a lot of spaces that might be for uh, murdered and missing indigenous women um, oh sensitive for you know sensitive and very triggering for for a lot of women so um having another woman there to talk to when I'm interviewed. You know, I just know how to not re-traumatise people or just be very gentle um, around them. To be uh, patient, you know, if they have moments reflecting on sensitive things. Those things seem so natural to some people and some people who come from a place where they know where they come from and they know their cultural protocols, but... It's, it's really surprising how that's not instinctual for a lot of people and indigenous and non-indigenous people, like how far removed you are from your cultural protocols and from your homelands. It all, it all factors into this great remembering of how to be in relationship with each other as we share each other's stories. So 
I, I know it's, it's hard to like contextualize it, but I think it's really important. And thank you for sharing that because not everybody, not everybody does know. And we do need these little seeds. Right. <laughs> I think they are instinctual though. Hey, they're ingrained in, in us from our cultural teachings. So they come out, um, yeah, instinctual to, to other indigenous people. And speaking of instinctual, <laughs> in your bio, it states how you believe in working towards tinoranga tiratanga, or self-determination for all people through creative resistance and creative communication. So before I kind of dig into the question, can you break down what tinoranga tiratanga is to you, to your people? Um, what is this? What is this sentiment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, it is our um, our self-determination. I've heard it broken down in other groups as something different. I, um, I've always known it as that, you know, the rangatiratanga is your, is your mana, is your, is your, um, you know, your, your, your right to um, self-determine your path and uh, your whānau's path and you know I just love that you know I I love us doing I love Indigenous people and Indigenous people's rights to their own self-determination you know whether it be for themselves or their whānau or the broader community I know we're strong. I remember when um when I was down in Aotearoa with you like um that was during the time that the Tuhoi raids happened. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's when I first learned about the term Tinoranga Tiratanga because everyone in your communities took to the streets and were like raising the flag. Um, mm. That I think it is the Tinoranga Tiratanga flag, right? It's um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so that's that's something that that wording, that phrase, that self determination has stuck with me throughout my life. Um, and when I go back home and talk to my my communities and extended communities, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting because a lot of indigenous people and allies of indigenous people look to Maori people for insight and guidance on how to maintain self-determination and like really practice decolonization within their communities yeah and i i just want to support that here like uh, mm -hmm. especially in television um you know there's a few directors that i'm so you know i love so much that have supported me and um they intentionally go go out to find an all indigenous crew because you know we can really we can do everything like we don't need to <laughs> uh, hire you know non indigenous people to help us out. There's there's enough of us who are so talented who can do everything. Yeah, and then the story is so authentic. It's it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and your yeah. work engages in media art services in and for international Indigenous communities, which I really love. And this feels so critical for us all right now to consider. 
as the worldview of indigenous peoples constantly echoes and perceives a stereotypical lens and pushes all nations globally under an umbrella where everyone is the same. Having documentation of various international indigenous communities can show the complexity and create space for the nuance while taking that space as indigenous communities deserve to have indigenous communities voices in mainstream culture so important um, and more and more indigenous nations are calling out the lack of specificity within art within media like where are these tribes from what are their stories you know mm. not just like there's some indians or there's some aboriginal aboriginal people and mm. so I feel like your work really um, kind of teases out that specificity and you create a platform for those stories. Um, can you talk about some projects that you've done recently that are not your culture specifically, but that you've supported and provided a lens for? Oh, you know, one that stands out, and especially because I'm talking to you right now, is um, the documenting of um, the traditional tattoo up, up here and in um, BC particularly. Um, and the, there has been gatherings where we just occupy a park and put up some tents and stages and people perform. And there's lots of tattoo artists come from everywhere and everyone just gets it on and it's just like anywhere in the body. And when it's the face for women, I'm just like, oh, you know, it's just so beautiful to see the resurgence of them, you know, the people here reclaiming. And uh, I think because I wear tāmoko on my face, I, I'm the go-to <laughs> like can you help us out here and do the video for this and I'm like hell yeah you know I would just be honored to be in that space and um you know and these things it's never about the money it's just all about the heart and the people and you just want to be in community and it's um you document it and then you share it back to them so they can have it for whatever resource they need it for. And uh, I just feel really blessed to be in those circles. And so when I, when you, you know, <laughs> asked me to come down to Santa Fe for Ancestral Inc., oh, like a dream come true to meet um, Kione and, you know, all of the other artists and, see brother Terangi too <laughs> and um, yeah I just love I love that work you know it's of course there's um, you know in saying that as well I would always step step aside for somebody who was from that territory to want to be the documentarian or um, but yeah and 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 my presence I always feel like um I'm a part of representing Aotearoa here to support your co-papa and uh, any questions or anything you need, I'd always be there to support you. Even in silence, like I don't even have to say anything. I just, you know, my presence there sometimes, I'm just so honoured and blessed. And yeah, so 
documenting traditional tattoo revival is is one of the hugest. Um, so summertime is almost here too. So um, there's bound to be some more gatherings. I know COVID is a bit of a uh, <laughs> annoying distraction, but uh, hopefully we'll get back out there and start doing more tattooing. Yeah. And when you document this, is it for, um, do you share it? Is there a place where people can kind of follow along with the work and projects that you're doing? Um, you know, it's always for the people and for mm -hmm. their projects. So I'm mm. not sure. Um, I think some of it will come out eventually, but I don't really um, do anything with it myself without their permission. Um, there may be things that I, 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 I'm launching a new business and it's around stock media and footage. Um, and there might be a chance to use some of that on you know on this on this project but no it's always just for the people and they have the the say on what happens with it I love that I think mm -hmm. that that is such a badass answer oh. <laughs> because <laughs> you know because it's true so often I mean we are such a culture of consuming and I want it I want it now you know and the fact that you go into these spaces with these communities and you're documenting a revival and an evolution of their way of being on the planet and you're like, no, it's theirs. Like, I, I was there. I got to be there. But I'm not trying to do anything with yeah. it except for sh sh have it for them. Like, you're you're kind of like weaving a basket yeah. um, for them to gather their, oh. their relationship back to themselves yeah. with. Yeah. I mean, if anyone wanted to make something of it, I'll definitely be there to help. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's really beautiful. that I read when I was kind of like checking out your website. I mean, I, I, I worked with you on Ancestral Inc., mm -hmm. which aired um, on this broadcast, uh, the live recording that you recorded for me. Right, yes. <laughs> so shout out to Tia. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, 
but you know we've we've worked together in varying ways and just always kept up and maybe it's because we're mothers and both kind of work in production at varying levels um but reviewing your website again i i was looking at the term creative resistance Mm. that you kind of put in your um ethos for um faya productions and what does creative resistance mean to you Uh, and can you talk about a project where you feel like you tapped into this vision um it's just so beautiful to think about yeah oh well it that term came to me actually way back when i met you and first met you and i was working for greenpeace um because i used to watch you know analyze how they would flip a campaign it was sort of like a marketing technique it was um you know they'd do something really crazy and fun and but it had a really solid serious um co-papa behind it you know either if it was saving a forest or the you know or the, the oceans or the and so it made it fun, like, for example, um, myself and Mera Perehina, um, I used to live with her way back in the day. And, um, uh, oh, it was transit. Um, New Zealand wouldn't fly the Māori flag on the Auckland Harbour Bridge during Waitangi Day, yet they would fly all these other flags, you know, America's Cup, this and that and this. And it was like, how this is supposed to be our day, you know, it's the treaty and all of that. It's supposed to be a um, an equal agreement and all this, yet they won't even acknowledge our flag. So we we bungee jumped off the Auckland. I mean, they, they do these bungee jumps for everybody, but we made sure we had our flag and we jumped off the bridge and we had the media there so we could show that you know I just that was a creative resistance it was just like doing something fun and having a serious um political uh, message behind it (laughs) yeah that's amazing that's amazing so so were you one of the bungee jumpers or were you documenting no I was one we we did a tandem actually because you know we we had to hold this huge flag and uh it was yeah it was fun yeah I mean there was a little bit of I mean AJ hat or the guy whose bungee jump business it was we watched, you know, all these tourists all jumped off with their flag, so why not jump off with the Māori flag? But it got a different, yeah, media angle, which was what we wanted. We want to always create a little bit of, um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, <resistance. laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to. That's bad. I don't know. Yeah, just fun <laughs> things that. Uh, oh, another one was to fly plane the plane over the bridge, you know, with a huge flag behind it, pulling a, a, a Māori flag. I don't know. Yeah. And when you say Māori flag, <laughs> is this the Tino Rangatira Tonga flag? Is this, it's like red and white yes, and black. Yeah. And it kind of has the fern swirl, It is. Right? Um, the black is the top um, being, you know, the sky and then the the whites in the middle and the red is the earth um yeah it's it's a reasonably new flag i think oh gee i'd have to google it <laughs> but it, it's uh it's like it was made in the 70s or 80s by three 
kick-ass Maori woman who designed it. Only Linda Munn is, she still is the um, sole survivor of the three that created that flag. But yeah, and it was mm. all in self-determination. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me into another question that I wanted to ask you is who 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 do you look up to? Um, as a woman, as a strong woman, somebody that you come back to, maybe an elder or um, somebody in media oh or uh, a, Maori a Maori woman. woman. Yes. Um, oh, holy moly. Well, I have um, <laughs> I have a photo of my screensaver of uh, Mera Tamita. She's um, one of the first, uh, or if not the first, Maori woman director way back in the 60s and 70s. She passed away um, in the 90s, I think, did she pass? Or was it early 2000s? But um, I mean, I haven't always, She's she recently came to me because I, I edited a beautiful film called Te Waunui about um, the Cody dieback. Um, it's, it's a disease killing our Cody trees and um, um, a Maori healer um, doing a traditional medicine for the tree, which um, is a beautiful story about the relationship of our tohora, the whales, and our kauri trees are actually a relative and they need each other and they call each other. And uh, so he was bringing the whale back to the tree and with lots of karakia and prayers. And anyway, it's a beautiful short film. And so um, the director, Ngāriki, she screened her film in Auckland at a festival and she met Annie Collins, who was Merata Mita's editor way back in the day. And um, so she's actually also, she's non-Māori, she's a Pākehā woman, uh, but she's worked on so many Māori films with Māori directors and she's in her 70s now, so she's sort of like... Um, I look up to her. Uh, she's just got this wealth of knowledge. And um, anyway, through Ngāriki, she passed on my information to Annie and she reached out to me. And she's one of my mentors for a film I'm doing now with another director, Hione Henare. And um, we WhatsApp chat and we Zoom and I can't believe that, you know, this woman, Annie Collins, is one of my mentors for this film that we're doing. Yeah, so I love her and I love Merata and everything she did back in the day and such strong, amazing woman. I don't know, women in film and all these up-and-coming Māori women directors that I'm working for. It seems to be all women cruise all the time <laughs> that's it's amazing just, yeah it's just naturally happening you know I don't even that's the thing about our tupuna though hey is just these doors are opening and I know that they're leading me in these directions I don't really uh do much to make it happen it just happens it's just a natural flow mm. yeah yeah, that's how it is when you're on the right path, right? Yeah. And how how long you've been on this path and the variations of your work, but you're so centered and grounded in who you are and what you're about is that it does naturally kind of all 
all file in, mm -hmm. you know, and it, I, I just love how many women are taking up leadership roles in the arts and in film yeah. and media, you know, so that's really beautiful to hear that there's like, just this badass momentum of Maori women. There's just so like... many. I know. I'm just like, wow. And also that natural progression of um, all these films that I'm doing are back home. One thing that COVID has done for me is um, allowed a remote editor to be considered. So even though I'm all the way over here in the Northern Hemisphere, um, Aotearoa are looking at me and saying, hey, we need a Māori-speaking uh, editor or woman Māori, you know, all of those things because I think there's a real resurgence in um, supporting Indigenous and women, like people are actively looking to diversify their crew and support more women to, up, yeah, to come up in these arts. Um, yeah, Fire Productions. <laughs> I mean, you you called it in with your name, right? <laughs> I, I think that's exactly what happened. Sometimes I don't recognize things until someone says it, and I think you're right. I I named it that, and it's just become that. <laughs> so, where do you see your work and Indigenous filmmaking in the next ten years? I know that, like like Taika Waititi becoming <laughs> a global name yeah. and it's just like a news all eyes have kind of gone to New Zealand for like content and filmmaking and yeah. I mean I know that's in part by Taika like kind of holding the door open right. but I just think it's just <clears throat> like indigenous storytelling and Maori storytelling just kind of like <laughs> being critical for the globe like what are your thoughts around that? Oh, I'm just so excited about that. To be honest, I um, when I went to Toronto to the uh, Toronto International Film Festival and we interviewed him for his uh, premiere of JJ Rabbit and he was so amazing. But because I was behind the camera, I couldn't talk because <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, mess up the interview. And um I thought about, wow, you know, that was my one of my goals. I want to be one of his editors, you know, wouldn't that be just awesome? But I started to think about it and I saw Chelsea, his wife, was with him. And, of course, through Kiritapu, you know, she's their cousins and we all sort of knew each other way back in the day. And I thought, you know what, I want to be Chelsea's editor. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope, I hope she's listening. <laughs> but, uh, um, and, you know, Annie Collins that I talked about, she's also been Chelsea's editor on on Chelsea's, one of Chelsea's films, Meta mm. Meta. And um, I thought, you know, our circles are all moving in the same direction. And I think, you know, just give it, giving it a bit of time, it's going to happen anyway. So uh, I'm really excited. I just, oh, Māori film, you know, television and news is okay, but film is where it's at. <laughs> yeah. So I just, yeah, I want to work for Chelsea on her co-papa, another woman, amazing woman director. Yeah. Yeah, it's always interesting to me how, um, yeah, how her work is, like, not really talked about or seen. Um or it is, but I mean, it. we can get overshadowed by badass males because we are a patriarchal society as far mm -hmm. as, like, the way capitalism works. Yeah. It likes to um, 
individualize and lift up men. And that's、mm-hmm. not the case for indigenous cultures. I mean, Polynesians have a little bit of a different vibe. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've noticed a couple of her interviews, you know, she doesn't, nobody talks about him because she has her own amazingness. And、um, mm-hmm. people recognize that now. And she thanks them, like,、oh, thanks for not having to mention him all the time because <laughs> she's, you know, Amazing just by herself. She doesn't need to write off his name. And there's yeah, room yeah. for everyone. There's room、mm-hmm. for everyone. And I think that that is something that's that's a point of healing through trauma. Like something、mm-hmm. that I talk about with Chinupa, my partner, is how we're always bonding over our trauma. But how do we bond over our resilience? And like、mm-hmm. one of those things is dismantling scarcity. Like there is enough for all of us to shine bright, all of us to have those. Those niche markets where we thrive and are telling our stories in different ways.、Mm, and that's what I、yeah. love about badass partnerships. Like, even you and Curtis. I mean, Curtis、mm. is an incredible musician. And, like, little known、mm. fact world, but Tia is a badass singer and, like, <laughs> sings in her husband's band. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing because for us, well, I assume all Maori, all Polynesian are good singers, and it's just what we do in karaoke in the garage, you know. So to jump into someone's band is, oh, yeah, just a bit of fun. <laughs> But、um, that's exciting too, because that allows a lot of travel, and, you know, it's another creative outlet. And, yeah. Yeah, I definitely am going to be playing a couple tracks <laughs> on this interview.、Oh. Breaking Treaties is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, is that your favorite? I love that. Yeah. But, yeah. I know. It was so fun when you and Curtis came out for Gathering of Nations a couple years ago to New Mexico and you、oh, invited、man. me to DJ、yeah. as your backup.、Yeah. And I got to see you all sing and perform live together. <laughs> It was so、yeah. beautiful. Oh, I'm so、you. glad to support. Yeah. yeah. No, we were so honored to have you. I mean, I'm usually behind the camera. Behind the computer editing. I'm not used to being on the front of the stage. So, you know, it's a little different. Yeah.、But. It's good, though. You're a creative being, and that <laughs> is part of creative resistance as well, right? It's like breaking the stereotype of where you're supposed to be. Like- right. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And doing this interview, like, I'm sort of shy, but we have to. Push ourselves into those uncomfortable spaces. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's all it's all building blocks in practice because, like, whether you like it or not, Tia, like, you're really important and the world needs you. And we need, <laughs> like, all, you can see that the world is calling for you and it's just going to get more and more. So, this、Aww. is us brushing up on our interview chat. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for all your amazing kind words. It's another,、um, you know, Another lesson as to how to accept compliments and how to know your worth and all of these things. Well, I feel like that's the weird side of protocol where,、um, in, in different cultures and different places, different land based like cultural practices, the humbleness can take a turn into like shaming or like、mm. getting small. And I think that as women who are trying to move to the forefront and reclaim storytelling as like part of our、um, mana'o or our,、um, mm. how do you say it in Maori, f- whakapapa? No. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, fuck up, fuck up. Like work, yeah. work. Yeah. Oh, like, mahi. Or, mahi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're doing awesome. <laughs> I actually love learning some Hawaiian words while I'm listening to you. And yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think reclaiming storytelling as women in general, you know, um, is, yeah, it's part of the work, right? And that's what we're doing is we're just kind of like moving through it and like maintaining protocols, but also like being present and being a little bit louder and a little bit bigger, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. As we end this interview, like um, you have six keiki, six young children, and you are a mother how do you balance this all? Like, is there any <laughs> advice you can give to young mothers who are finding themselves putting their career on the back burner and like their spirits kind of feeling low? Like, what are some of your tricks to do it all? Well, I, when they were small, especially, I noticed um, it was all the women in television who supported me because they could understand (laughs) women directors and they would arrange their schedules around me and my babies you know it was just like oh that's just such amazing support um I won't lie I did lots of late nights trying to get work in while the kids slept or whatever when you have your me time but um, I'm also fortunate to have a, a, an amazing husband who, you know, who knows the importance of my work as well and will always support from, um, you know, just keeping the kids busy while I'm busy or something. Um, so, I mean, I understand not everybody has that supportive partner, but I... Uh, Oh, and my, my sister-in-law, oh, you know, there's always far no family <laughs> to rely on them a lot. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think that's something beautiful about, like, intersections within Indigenous communities is we understand, yeah. like, the it literally takes a village. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I would drag my kids along with me to a work. You know, sometimes it's not ideal because they can't stay quiet if you're filming and stuff, but you just got to do what you got to do. And usually people, because it's an indigenous uh production they understand and kids also bring so much joy as well in in a a work environment like it's good to have the kids there to balance you out and have some smiles and some fun (laughs) and ease up the stress and I don't know yeah for sure (laughs) usually if it's an indigenous production it's not a problem everybody welcomes children that's what I love. Mm. Yeah. Ah, yeah. No, it's definitely yeah. a, a juggling. And also, actually, you know, people think six kids, how did you do it? But you don't actually do it all by yourself. The older ones always take care of the younger ones. And it's just a normal, natural thing is uh, they keep this, themselves entertained a lot as well with the older ones. Um helping out that's what they're there for (laughs) yes it's so good to give that generation props right yeah (laughs) yeah hold a lot that that we can't the older kids always are just definitely like holding so much for us and your kids are incredible I just 
I love you. I mean, sometimes um, I've yeah. got to bribe them a little, but <laughs> but it's all good. Yeah, I love it. Um, so are there any projects we should be paying attention to right now um, that are produced by Indigenous artists that you're working on or are inspired by? This is like the plug. Anything you want to plug? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, well, I'm working on this amazing one. Um, it's for Māori television. It's a, it's a three-part series, and it's pre-colonial, so we're um, – way back in the day when there's more and hokioi, like all our animals that are now extinct. And uh, it's all in Maori language and it's got spirit people in there and it's just amazing. And there's some great actors like Lawrence McQuarrie and, um, and there's another one I'm just starting too, back on Turtle Island um, with Dancing Earth. So I'm, not quite sure what I could say about that, but uh, that might be for PBS channel. And um, but I'm excited because there's a whole lot of indigenous community I haven't met down there in California and sort of places that. Uh, and I love dance. I mean, I love editing videos with dance, and um, and I'm doing some more work for the Cody dieback. Um, co-papa but again that's just starting and I don't want to uh talk too much before, before I, yeah. I don't know it enough yeah yeah, determined. yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful I yeah. love that work I love what you were talking about that story with the how the whale and the tree are in conversation and yeah they need each other mm. <laughs> that's so good that's so good well we need you Tia and your work oh. <laughs> and thank you so much for sharing your um time with me and for the the long friendship that we've had I am really grateful for all the work you do and I'm excited to see you just continue to just rise and shine <laughs> oh thank you I, I the feeling's so mutual I feel so blessed to know you and have you in my life and uh Thank you for considering me for this interview. <laughs> it wasn't even a consideration. <laughs> it I'm was like, like oh. whenever you're ready, girl, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, well, it was beautiful anyway to catch up with you and yeah. reflect on everything. Broken Tree Day. I know how it feels. I know how those people feel. Not afraid to die. Not afraid to die.